Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. I wonder if you'd indulge me for a few minutes. When I preach in Papua New Guinea, my bare feet are in the dirt. Usually it's in a church with open sides and thatched roof over the heads. And always there's a dog somewhere scratching fleas. There are chickens running around just outside the, the sides of the church clucking and sometimes a rooster will crow. And um, almost always there are pigs or piglets uh, just kind of grunting and making a lot of noise around. And it's very distracting. I remember preaching one time and backing and stepping on my dog who was sleeping behind me. Um, but if we could just kind of in our mind's eye go to that place where you're sitting and you can just feel the dirt uh, between your toes can hear the pigs and chickens and dogs and little kids running around. And just let that image sort of fill your mind as, um, as I read uh, Micah 6.8 in the Somagari language. Always they give the, the, head, uh, the heading, so I'll give that first and then read the verse. この答えマイカ68。小海パイアシナカシナカピオレカシケタイアティ。シニパノムカピアキレニカカケプレオシキナ。シニアシナカピアニクトゥタイヌクケレオアビミオシケニクニクニクシコナナンオロリヌクシコ
Instead of taking it out on us, Jesus came and became our sacrifice, taking the justice of God full force upon himself. And so because of that, we are birthed into a new relationship because of the justice of God performed for us. Week two, we talked about loving mercy. And we love mercy because of the justice that God has showed us through Jesus. That the cross is more than just we were bad once. The the gospel shows us that the cross is the justice of God displayed forever. And how God is kind and faithful even in the act of justice so that we can love mercy because our lives have been changed by mercy. So we have been brought into new birth by the justice of God and we continue on in our lives because of mercy. And so today we conclude our series by walking humbly with God. If you want rest and peace in your life, the way to get it, to experience it, to be fulfilled in it, is to walk humbly with God. And when you understand the justice that God has performed for you and the mercy that God has showed for you, the only proper response is not false humility, but it's a real humility that's founded on all of these things. We're gonna be looking at a moment in Jesus' life. It may not seem like a merciful text, but I'm gonna show you that it's there. There's a text that happens in the last week of Jesus' life before his crucifixion. We're gonna begin in Mark chapter nine, verse 33, if you'll look at that with me. They came to Capernaum, When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and he said, if anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. There's several things in these verses I just want to pick and and identify quickly and then we'll move to the priority text this morning. First of all, it's like Jesus is driving a car, imagine, and in the back seat are the disciples and they're arguing about something, but he can't quite hear it. So he says, what are you talking about? And they're like, nothing. And he says, no, no, I heard you arguing. What are you arguing about? Nothing, nothing. Just keep driving. It's okay. And he knew exactly what they were driving about, or talking about. So he gets to the house and he pulls everybody in. And there's a significant moment there in verse 35. It says, sitting down. I want you to know in that culture, when a teacher taught, he sat. Do you see what's going on here? Jesus got all the kids together in the room and he said, I know exactly what you were talking about. And he sat down. And he said, I'm going to teach you something. If you really want to be great. And they're like, oh, he knows. If you really want to be great you'll serve others first. And it was a simple sermon, a simple teaching. Now I want you to jump with me to Mark chapter 10 because we're gonna realize that's not the last time Jesus had to have that conversation with those guys. One time my brother and I were just talking smack to each other as brothers do. He's two and a half years older than me so we really grew up together and did a lot together and and probably the closest that I hung out with with my brothers was my brother Scott and and we were arguing, talking about how we could beat each other doing this or this. My grandfather was in the room and obviously he was perturbed and he looked at both of us and he said a simple phrase and he was done with his sermon. He didn't sit though but he looked at his two grandsons and he said, those who should brag don't have to and it was done until he left the room and then we went right back to being kids. But the lesson was learned, and I still think about that regularly. Those who should brag about what they accomplish actually don't have to because everybody notices anyway. So in this moment, Jesus has another conversation with them in Mark 10, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. (laughs) Of course they do. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Shocking response. 
Jesus said, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. In verse 35, if you have your Bibles open, I want you to notice something. It says that James and John were the sons of Zebedee. There's something that's taking place here that I want you to pick up. And that is, these were cousins of Jesus. Their mother and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were related. So there was a family relationship here. They were in the inner circle. They had been disciples uh, previously and were following, and they were in that inner group with Jesus, and they're using this to their advantage. And they come to Jesus, and they ask a question. What Jesus is trying to teach the disciples is the same thing that he's trying to teach us. I want to go all the way back to Micah chapter 6, verse 8. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God? Now, it's easy in this moment to go, they're not walking humbly with God, but please understand, there's a reason why they're not. But I really want to focus on the beginning of that verse. And you're going to hear it multiple times this morning, because I want to embed the reason we looked at this verse in the context of this year is that you and I, to walk humbly with God is what a disciple does. And our humility comes from the justice and mercy we've been shown. And without an understanding of the justice of God performed through Jesus on the cross and the mercy to allow us to be his disciples and to take his message of his kingdom into the world, we will not walk humbly with God because pride will be the issue. And so you're gonna hear me say multiple times this morning on purpose, he has showed you, O mortal, what is good. Now, I know some of your translations, I had someone uh, email me this week and say, you keep using the word mortal. My Bible says man. I like the word mortal because it says there's an end date to all of us. We are not infinite. We are finite. And we have one lap around this thing with God. And we either use that to his glory or we use it for our own glory. And that's the issue of the teaching. Pride. In Proverbs, it says the Lord detests the proud of heart. It says a proud heart produces sin. In 1 Timothy, pride comes from the devil. It's a mark of a false teacher. 1 John 2, pride is characteristic of this world. James says that pride alienates us from God and God gives grace to those who are humble. Augustine said that pride is the mother of all sin. If this were a, a college class and I was teaching it, here's what I would do. I would say, class is dismissed. You have a homework assignment. I want you to take the next 20 minutes and I want you to sit down with a piece of paper and I want to write, have you just write down the last 12 sins you can remember committing and ask yourself this question. How much did pride, your pride, have to do with why you did what you did? And I won't be surprised if all of us came back to the next class with a piece of paper that said, every single sin was premised on my pride. I wasn't getting enough, I wasn't treated right, I needed this, I deserved this. We all, whether you want to admit it or not, starting with me, every single person in this room battles their pride every day. We center ourselves on it, we've built our reputations on it, we built the facade of our life and how we want people to see us, it's all based on this issue of pride. What's the difference between pride and humility? First of all, I'm not recommending you act humble. If you and I, are not truly humbled by the justice and mercy of God, we have not understood the gospel. So we don't have to pretend. We don't have to act. We just get to receive the goodness and faithfulness of God and it will bring a humility that brings life, not shame and regret. Pride encourages us to compare ourselves to others. 
while humility encourages us only to compare ourselves to Jesus. Humility comes when we look to Christ as our example and not the world. Pride is jealous of the success of others, while humility allows us to celebrate with them. Pride is self-centered. Humility is all about others. Pride is about my glory. Humility is about the glory of Jesus. Pride is, did you notice me? Do you know who I am? Do you know all that I've been doing? Have you paid any attention to what I offer? Humility is, have you seen Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you see what Jesus brings? Pride is independence of God. Humility is only dependence on God for love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, compassion, instruction. On and on it goes. So every sin we can imagine feeds our pride. And one of the things I have to repent of as a pastor is it's really easy for me in moments like this because three different times in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has explained that his glory will come through death and suffering. Three different times, chapter 8, 9, and 10. Mark records that Jesus said to them, I must die to be glorified, die to be glorified, die to be glorified, and they don't get it. And it's really easy for me in this moment that it's easy to make fun of the disciples, to treat them like they were a bunch of, you know, mouth-breathing morons, right? These guys don't have any, they can't figure anything out. They had the chance of a lifetime and they couldn't figure it out. But I want to correct that because it's not true. Look at the disciples. They love Jesus. They truly do. They love his truth. They believe in him and his kingdom. They've seen miracles performed. The Holy Spirit has been on them. They've performed miracles. They've cast out demons. They have done amazing things for the kingdom. These are not a bunch of idiots. They're a bunch of humans, like everybody in this room. And yet in the midst of this, they struggled with pride. All the advantages, all the opportunities. Pride is a natural phenomenon in us to be different, to be set apart, to be unique. All of us desire this. And pride is something that in its right dosage is healthy. When it's out of dosage, it's corrupt. You see, it's a natural response to want power, prestige. It's a natural response to want this. John and James had been with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. So notice what they say. They say to him, hey, when your, they've seen his glory, when your kingdom comes, can we be with you in seats of authority in your glory? In other words, they knew that it was coming. They had good theology. They knew that Jesus was the glorified king. They knew that that moment that God was going to bring all of this together, everything he had promised, they had great theology. But notice even good theology can get jacked up by pride. Not only did they want Jesus' glory to be known, they wanted a chunk of it. And yet they hadn't earned it, and they weren't worthy of it. And Jesus is patient with them. See, what I want us to learn about what it means to walk humbly with God is that the scripture has made it clear, even in this moment, the difference between walking with God for something from him or walking with God because you've already received it. So how do we walk proudly? Let's look at the disciples and not one of their great moments. There was a lot of selfish ambition. And this is how we check our pride. Selfish ambition. Verse 35, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Of course you do. Matthew tells us in Matthew 20 that their mother was there and she bowed before Jesus. She is his aunt. She's using the family card. They're using whatever they can take to get it. And they're not even disguising it. 
They're coming to him and they're arguing previously about who's the greatest. No one's qualified. And in chapter 10, they actually make the bold request. They realize that by the way Jesus is talking, this is all going to come together. And so they want to strike while the opportunity's there. They want to take advantage of this influence. And so they ask for it. And Jesus responds very graciously. What do you want me to do for you? He wants them to say it. And they do. Can we sit at your right and left hand? Can we have the seats of authority in your kingdom? Overt, selfish ambition, over and above others. Second thing, we know we're not walking humbly when we're arrogant. And that's the word none of us ever use against ourselves. We will offer it against others quickly. But we never come in and go, how was your day today? I don't know, I was fairly arrogant. We never say that. See, he says, do you know what you're asking for? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, no, you don't. Can you drink of the cup I'm going to drink? And they're thinking probably of a great wine glass in celebration on the commencement of the great kingdom finally here. They're like, yeah, we can drink that drink. He's like, you know, you don't understand. Isaiah says that the Messiah will drink of the goblet of the wrath of God. And then he says, do you think you can drink? Can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? And they're like, yeah, we can. He's like, oh my. He says, and you will be. James was the first disciple to die for the glory of the kingdom. John was the last. They would, but little did they know in this moment what glory cost. Then they would, and they would receive that cost for the glory not of themselves, but for the glory of Jesus. You see, if you want the seats of power in the kingdom, you suffer for them. It costs you everything, not something. It costs you everything. Verse 39 and 40, one more time. We can, they answered, and Jesus said, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. See, one of the things Jesus gave up when he came from the best parts of heaven to the worst parts of earth is he allowed God to sit in that seat while he suffered for his kingdom to show the glory of God, to show the justice and mercy he was offering all of us. They said they were able, they overpromised their ability, and Jesus is gentle but prophetic, and he says, you will suffer for my kingdom. And that's where he leaves it. Selfish ambition, overconfidence, and the last one's quickly, competitiveness. This is so clear. Verse is very revealing. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Why? Why were they upset? The audacity. No, they were upset that the timing was wrong. They wanted to do that. They all were trying to get Jesus to give them something instead of receiving what he had already given them. So how do we walk proudly in this world? We're ambitious for ourselves. We're arrogant in what we think we deserve and need. And we're competitive against others. That we don't mind other people having success as long as it's not as great as ours. Or it costs us ours. And, and once again, I'm not trying to be uh, offensive, but I am trying to be provocative. Pride is the issue of every man. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. What caused the problems in the garden? Man and woman's pride that God was not good enough or God was not wise enough to trust. And so walk proudly is to take it all upon yourself to make your way, to leave your legacy, to make a difference. So how do we walk humbly? which is the opposite path. He has showed you, O mortal, what is good. Where did he do that? 
Jesus. It's always centered on Christ. We are Christ followers, not church followers, not pastor followers. We're Christ followers. He has showed you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. Live the life Jesus lived and you will please him as he pleased his father. And we will bring glory to God through Jesus the way we're asked to. Look at verses 42 through 45 with me. Jesus called them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom of many. Now, what's interesting is, here's the problem I have. If I'm really honest with you and I choose to be, the ambitious, arrogant, competitive person wins. In our culture, they're rewarded. I love to read biographies about people who accomplish things. And I realize if, if there's a biography written about someone who accomplished something, they paid a pretty big price to be remembered. But often their stories leave body bags behind of the people they've stepped on and taken advantage of and stolen patents and taken ideas and not given credit, all because their desire was to make a difference in their own name. And Jesus said, we're not going to do that. I told you just a moment ago, every single one of us has a core of pride we must suppress to bring glory to God because it is in our nature, it seems, to want to bring glory to ourselves. Now, maybe you have a little person in your world. Maybe it could be your child or a niece or nephew or a grandchild. Think back to the last time you got somebody, a child especially, you got them a gift that you wanted them to have. There was no special reason. It wasn't just like, uh, you know, it was a special birthday and you had to go to the party so you had to bring something. No, but you decided, you saw something, you think, I want them to have this. And so with your money and your effort and your time, you went and bought this little kid this present, right? And then you gave it to them and you were so excited and their eyes lit up and they're like, this is awesome. And they got all happy. And you said, well, give it to me a second. I need to unwrap it or I need to put a battery in it or I need to get it ready. And you took it from their hands. And what did they say to you? Mine. You're like, no. It wasn't yours, so I gave it to you. It's actually still mine. I have the receipt. Now, you never said that. But were you horrified in that moment when this child you just blessed with a gift that you wanted to tell them you loved them, and instantly it became not about you, it became about who? Them. He has showed you a mortal what is good and what the Lord requires of you to receive his justice, his mercy, and his humility so that you can do just things. You can love his mercy forever and you can walk humbly with God. Jesus said, not so with us. We are going to live differently. This world rewards the ambitious, arrogant, competitive person. And Jesus is not telling us that striving is wrong, that being ambitious for something that matters is wrong. Paul, if you read Paul's writing, Paul says, I fought the good fight, I run the race. He said, I discipline my body day in and day out. You see, this is the truth for all of us. The path that Jesus has set for us is not going to be smooth and downhill. The wind's not gonna be at our back. The path that we walk as followers of Christ means that we have to prepare ourselves for humility because humility doesn't come easy. Most humility has been earned. Someone takes you off in a basketball court and they scold you and you're playing a seven and you don't score, humility's easy. But before that, you thought you were the deal. 
business offers, everything else. Pride is a part of who we are. Now, I, I know this is an insight that you probably don't care about, but here's the truth. Uh, if you're not in your 50s yet, well, good luck enjoying your 40s and 30s and 20s. Because something's happening to me in my 50s. I'm more active now than I ever was in my 30s or 40s. But my body reminds me regularly when I did not prepare it for what I put it through. I don't know when this started. I don't like it. I found as, as a kid, I, as an athlete, I didn't stretch. I just put the gear on, squatted behind home and caught a double header. Woke up the next day, couldn't tell the difference. Now, I rake the lawn. I wake up on Sunday, I can't brush my teeth. What in the world is going on? Uh, seriously, if I don't stretch and prepare myself, my body tells me regularly, who do you think you are? You have to include us. And then every muscle screams at me. And I know some of you in this room, you know, last hour, I, we were testimony breaking out at 8 o'clock. So I don't know what this service is going to do. But I'm telling you, right now, a lot of you are like, I don't get it. You will, and I'll laugh. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, spiritually, you're no different. Humility is not something that's going to come easy. In fact, it's going to be harder than you ever imagined. Remember, we're not pretending to be humble. We're receiving the humility that comes from the justice and love of God. But you have to stretch yourself for that. It's going to take some discomfort. You're going to have to learn that being last is actually first because our world only cares about who's first. So do not be mistaken. The world rewards those who step over others to get what they want. Here's how Jesus lived. Turn to Philippians chapter 2 if you would. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He has showed you, O mortal, what is good through Jesus himself. Jesus did not come to get advantage, to use his opportunities for his own good. He gave everything up for us. So this is what it looks like. To walk humbly is to have selfless ambition. It's not to have no ambition, but it's actually to have a purpose behind why we do what we do. Verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. You want to learn to walk humbly? Jesus walked through the streets looking for people to bless and honor and care for at his own expense. At his own cost, he has showed you, O mortal, what is good. He also gave us an absolute sacrifice for others. That so many things Jesus could have made his life easier, more comfortable, more pleasant. Yet he says he had no place, no home to lay his head. He was constantly giving everything away and had to be cared for by others because he came giving up the best parts of heaven to live in the worst parts of earth for us. Look at verses 5 through 8. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. He gave up everything, not some things, not occasional sacrifices, daily opportunities. He was ambitious for the kingdom. And then he had a complete surrender to God's plan. So he, his ambition was for us, and he surrendered to the point of death. It's where justice and mercy come into play. Look at verses 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Do not miss that verse. Jesus' exaltation came from his suffering. Not from the ease of his life or his comfort. 
And he gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When Jesus said to James and John, I can't give you those seats. Those are prepared for others. I truly believe James and John are sitting in those places. But Jesus was not going to grant it to them without the sacrifice and effort necessary to suffer for the glory. The greater the sacrifice, the more the glory. But the glory may not happen in this lifetime. But it will be rewarded by God who does not miss a thing. He has showed you, O mortal, what is good. So how do we stretch? How do we prepare ourselves for humility? How do we change our nature? As God is doing a sanctifying work in us, how do we then become the kind of people who walk humbly with God? It does not come easy, but it can happen. Let me give you some moments of humility that I think the Bible calls us to. Moments that you can say to yourself, I I want to do this. I want to prepare myself to not only receive all that God has, but to walk with him like in the Old Testament. In fact, in the New Testament, the most commonly used word for discipleship is walking with God. It's an everyday experience. So let's begin this way. Follow the truth wherever it leads. Now, that seems like a simple statement, but let me put it this way. If the truth of God leads you to the fact that you're wrong, follow that truth. If it leads you to that, that may be best for me, but it's not best for everybody else, follow that truth. If it leads you to, I need to be forgiven and I need to ask to be forgiven, follow that truth. Don't defend yourself. Just open yourself up to what the Spirit is teaching you through the scriptures, through your community, and through his voice, and follow it. Humble yourself before the truth of God. Because my scripture says, when you humble yourself before God, he will then lift you up. Quickly repent, quickly. In fact, I'll even say it this way, thoughtlessly repent. When you know you're outside of the will of God, turn back home without hesitation. And when others around you tell you that you're not walking humbly with the Father, you're you're not respecting justice and mercy, and you're beginning to live independent of God again, turn back home home like the prodigal child run to your father he's waiting you seek and celebrate God's grace at work look for people around you look for moments that you can walk humbly with God when you see God exposing himself in justice and mercy in the world celebrate that with that speak a word of encouragement reach out to somebody and simply say I see you growing I see you trying I see you striving because remember every one of us in deep inside. We want to be noticed. We want to have a reason. We want to have a community. And when someone has invested in you, in fact, I believe this 100%, there's not a person in this room who is not who they are because one person spoke to you in a way that called you to something greater than you ever imagined you could be. Some teacher, some coach, a parent, a family member who believed in you when no one else did. And you held on to that for dear life. Am I right? It's because of moments like this that we look to celebrate the mercy of God daily and that will humble us to know that we are who we are by the grace of God. And cultivate a spirit of thankfulness. Speak about the work God is doing in your life. Humbly. Tell them about the sinner who was saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, received the mercy of an almighty, faithful father. And now you and I get to walk in relationship with him. He has showed you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, 
do justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. Jesus said it this way, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Go love your neighbor as yourself. Why is that God's requirement? Because he has showed you what is good in Jesus. What a blessing it is to have that as ours. Undeserved, unearned. Now we walk humbly in it, not only for ourselves, but offering it to everyone we meet. That's the God we worship. That's the God we sing to about creating a new heart in us. That's the God that we invest in, in this world, that the glory of God would be known outside of our circles. Our investment with Todd in Papua New Guinea, that he can write scriptures in such a way that people there will hear this truth. He has showed you what is good and what the Lord requires of you. And he showed us in Jesus. What a humble person to walk with. What a life to live. Let's stand together. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.